Hey, it's Chris Jones with The Jones Zone, and this episode of the podcast is brought to you by The Jones Zone at Keller Williams Realty. That's right. We sponsor our own podcast. So if you know of anybody looking to buy, sell, rent, or invest in residential real estate in the Charlotte, Rock Hill, Fort Mill area, have them connect with us on their favorite platform. Enjoy the show. It's Chris and Brian Jones, your real estate advocates, community connectors, talking Charlotte and York County area real estate, and interviewing business owners, entrepreneurs, and community leaders. Welcome to the Jones Zone Podcast. All right. Welcome to the Jones Zone. Brian is not here today. Uh, it's just me, so but that's fine. Um, today I'm with Tracy Hartzog. She's the co-founder of Chelsea and Savannah. Chelsea and Savannah is an art studio located in Fort Mill. It's in the Springfield Town Center. They offer a bunch of arts and crafts classes for children and adults. They do summer classes, summer camps. They do birthday parties, um, all sorts of neat stuff. And she is also the architectural chair of my HOA. And so we'll get into uh, a little bit of HOA stuff as well. Um, But yeah, so Tracy, welcome to the Jones Zone. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that was kind of a brief introduction of, of who you are and kind of what you do, but if you wouldn't mind, just share a little bit of your uh, personal story and how you got into doing everything you do at Chelsea and Savannah. Hi, so I grew up in the north of England, and um, I attended school at Chelsea School of Art in London, um, and after that I became, um, I did some, uh, I worked in the arts for a while, and then I ended up working in local government. Um, so I worked, I did that for a while and then I came here on vacation and met somebody and married them, not actually on that day, but <laughs> I waited a few months and we got married and I moved to Charlotte. Um, and then once I moved here, I ended. I worked for a nonprofit for 14 years doing all of their arts programming. So I traveled around the state um, to 17 different locations, helping people set up art programs, helping people order supplies, giving advice, organizing exhibitions, and I, so I did that for a long time. And then eventually I wanted to be closer to home, so I decided to open a teaching studio in Fort Mill, where I live. Okay. So um, how long have you been in Fort Mill or in the States or... How do you refer to it? In the States? In the States, yeah. I've been here (laughs) in the U.S. for 17 years. Oh, okay. And then I've been in Fort Mill for 14 of those years, so a long time. Okay. And what nonprofit was it that you worked with? I worked for Lifespan, which... Oh, um, that's right. Yeah, serves adults and children with developmental disabilities. So I actually opened a studio for adults with developmental disabilities, and we showed our work all over the state. Um, I had some of my artists were are in the collection at Davidson College. Okay. Um, they were so good, and we so we, you know, had a we had an artist studio where we didn't we just facilitated. We didn't teach them because they're adults, and so we didn't interfere with their work. We just allowed them to express themselves. So it was a lot of fun. And so you just got to the point where you felt like you did everything you could do in that area and you wanted to branch out and start your own thing? Yeah, they were going in a different direction. Okay. Um, the company was going in a different direction and they wanted the individuals to make Christmas angels or pet portraits. And I just wasn't, that wasn't really what I wanted to do. I, I'm a fine artist. I'm not, uh, I don't make angels. 
and so I decided that it was time for me just to move on and I saw the opportunity in Fort Mill as it has been growing like crazy over the last several years that there was a need in the town for us to to have an educational studio here. So what does an educational studio do? I mean, what does it look like? I mean, so all of our lessons are based upon either medium, um, uh, technique or, um, some type of art history. So we, our theme for the month might be, you know, for February might be love. And so it might be artists who portray love in a different way. So we'll study them. We learn a little bit about the history of it. And then we introduce technique and medium to the students so that they can then create their own piece. Um, we also teach drawing 101, painting 101, watercolor 101. And, you know, we also teach three-dimensional um, art as well. So it's a very much... Um, all of our instructors have um, degrees in art. We don't just have people who, you know, have a little skill. We have people who are qualified to teach art. So who takes these classes? I mean, are these people that they, they've been interested in art and they just they don't want to enroll in college? Or, like, who signs up for your classes? We have a huge variety. Well, we have some very young children. So, you know, kindergartners who are really interested in, in making art. And... Um, and then we have a middle school group and they really that's when we start to see people developing their talent is they're going to come into the middle school group and then they're going to start working through and learning a lot more because those classes are much more detailed and then we have a high school group which is, uh, um, is taught by a professor from USC um, so that is a real intense um, group and they are developing a portfolio for if they do want to go to art college or they do want to minor in art then they have their portfolio ready to do that um, and then our adult classes are oftentimes people who have always wanted to learn how to paint always wanted to learn how to draw and just feel you know they have a little window of time and they decide you know they're going to just jump in and do it you know we, we teach people if somebody wants to make a lion out of you know paper mache and that's all they want to do then they <laughs> yeah. can come in and we will show them how to do that yeah so it's very broad based but we have a lot of skill in the studio so that's why we're able to kind of achieve it that's really cool i mean mm -hmm. it's no different than you know being on a softball team or mm -hmm. doing karate or yoga right. it's just you know it's a it's a hobby that people have so they uh -huh. can come to your studio and, and get involved in that um what are the different programs do they look like i mean i know you guys do camps and after school stuff and what what exactly do you guys offer in terms of the varying programs so we offer we go out to preschools often in the mornings and we work with preschools um, and then in the afternoons, we will go out to elementary schools and do after-school programs there. And they're typically an hour. Again, it's normally a themed um, lesson. So there will be a lesson plan. You know, we'll talk about an artist. We'll talk about some kind of medium. And then they'll work. Um, and we provide, we have really um, low ratios we typically have two instructors or an instructor and an assistant so that everybody feels like they get some input into their work um, 
And then we do an after school program at the studio, which is um, from 4.30 to 5.30 and we do different age groups every night. Um, we have a high school class, we do birthday parties, which are not, we don't do any one the same. Okay. So every single birthday party we do is completely different. We don't repeat anything, <laughs> which is challenging, but we decided that that's what we wanted to do um, because we didn't want somebody to come and have the same experience twice, you know, if they were invited to the same birthday party. Um, so we just decided that we were just going to switch it up. So how, what does that look like? A parent, you know, a child tells their parents that they want to paint and have, do stuff for their birthday and then they... They rent the space out for a certain amount of time, or how does it look like? We, they're typically two hours. Okay. We come up with the project for them based on their choice. So if they want to do unicorns and rainbows, then that's what we will do. Um, And so that includes that, so we design their invitations, so they have paper invitations that they come and pick up from the studio, because it's much nicer, it's more of an experience to give out an invitation than it is to send an email or a text message. And then we do, um, we arrange um, all of the canvases, um, we set up what they're gonna do, we provide two hosts for the event, um, we do all their cups, plates, all they do is show up and bring a cake or bring pizza. The studio is exclusively theirs for that period of time, so we don't have anybody else in the studio at that time. A lot of places will have a table designated but we don't do that that was something I was gonna ask in terms of you guys having a studio and, a, and an actual storefront is there are there hours to this place like can someone just come yes. in and sit down and oh yeah start we painting? have to we are required to have hours um, so our hours are Monday from 1 until 6 and then Tuesday through Friday um, is from 10 until 6 and then Saturdays is from 10 to 12, but typically we're there longer because we have birthday parties. So, um, yeah. You said something that really blew my mind that you guys, how many birthday parties do you have a year? About 200. <laughs> that is four a week. So yeah. that seems like a ton. Right. How did people, how did this gain such momentum? I mean, what are, Obviously, you guys are doing a great job with birthday parties, but how did it take off? I think the first birthday party that we did was like three weeks of planning for us. And I think now that we have so many under our belt that it is just, you know, we have a tried and trusted formula that we use and it works every time. We don't ever have a disaster that walks out of the door. (laughs) Every child that comes in has something that they love. And, you know, I think as well, because we take care of all of the organization from the invitations to, we just contact the parent the day before to see what the numbers are gonna be. So I think it's just so easy for people and people say, well, you know, you just need to go to them because they make it so much easier for Yeah, you. that's good to have word of mouth when people uh-huh. can say that. Um, so the camps, you guys pretty much have day camps mm-hmm. all all summer long. I all saw one summer. that was, 
tutus, tiaras, and something else. Tinsel. Like, <laughs> tinsel, that's right. So what are some of the camps? How can people get involved with that? Um, how are, what are the hours of the camps? Is it all day, full day, or how much does it cost? Tell us about the camps. Most of our camps are 9 o'clock in the morning, but we are always there earlier, but we start at 9 o'clock. Um, so 9 until 1, but you can extend until 3. Okay. Um, we do a fashion camp with, where we teach kids how to sew, and they make their own garments. Uh, we have, um, a, next week we have a traditional techniques camp, which is painting, drawing, um, a little three-dimensional stuff. We go through all of the different mediums, and we spend a whole day learning how to paint, learning composition, then we're going to move on to drawing, we're going to learn about shading, um, and then, you know, we're going to um, learn on um, the watercolor technique, then they'll do some alcohol inks, um, which are just, the inks that move in a certain way if you add um, alcohol to them, they're really cool. Oh, okay. Um, and then so it's like an interactive type of it paint? It is. It moves. It's very cool. And you typically use it on Upo paper, which is a very shiny surface. And it will, it will slide around and move. So you never really know what you're going to get. So it's a very... They're really big right now. People are really in, um, using them a lot right now. Um, and kids love them. We don't do oil painting because we have kids in the studio. And they tend to run into and smudge oil paint because it doesn't dry quickly enough. Okay. Um, we have a th camp in the third dimension, which is sculpting. So we do relief sculpting, and then we'll do um, sculpting in the round. Um, and we use a sculpting medium called Scratch. And Scratch is made in New Mexico, and we are the only studio that uses it uh, the only teaching studio that uses it with kids in the Carolinas. What is Scratch? I mean, I don't, I don't know. You said three things. I don't know what any of them are. It's an what? architectural sculpting medium. So basically, it's a it's like clay. It's almost the consistency of clay, but it doesn't behave like clay. So you don't have to fire it. It will just dry on its own. And it dries to about a third of its original weight. And okay. it dries hard like clay. And then you can carve it, you can sculpt it back onto itself, you can, um, you can sculpt it onto something else, um, and then if it needs to go outside, you just give it a clear coat and it's fine. Um, it doesn't ever have to go in a kiln. So when you're working with kids and you're using clay and you're firing stuff, then you are always going to have an issue with air bubbles. And if you fire something and it has an air bubble in it, then it's going to explode and take everything with it. And we call that the kiln of disappointment. <laughs> uh, that's good. That's funny. Um, so what are some of the challenges that you find working with children? I mean, is it, are they just because their minds are so curious like is it more, is it fun to work with children it's so is it more much challenging? Fun. Yeah. yeah it's like the best thing ever um they are you know so creative and so a lot of the time so passionate about it so it's really cool to see somebody be so into what they're doing and you know for the longest time for me personally i feel that art has is on the back burner with a lot of people and they feel like oh it's just how people express their feelings and I want to say yeah okay 
we can all express our feelings through art, but we can also just build cool stuff. And building cool stuff appeals to a lot more people than painting their feelings. Um, so that's why I want to kind of, you know, it's okay that that's, you know, that's kind of the way that people look at things. But artists also do so much more than that. You know, they create amazing pieces that make people say, wow. And yeah. that's it. It's not, you know, it doesn't have to be constantly analyzed. What got you so interested in art? I mean, was this something as a little girl that just captured your... Um, partly. Um, I had my best friend in high school and I, it was our dream that we were going to go to London and go to art school. And so we started off and we did go to art school in the local town. And um, so then when the time came to apply to colleges in London, I applied and she didn't because <laughs> oh. her mum wouldn't let her. Oh, jeez. So I ended up getting a place at college. And then, you know, I was like, well, I just need to just go and do it. Um, and I just learned a lot about, you know, what people are capable of and what I'm capable of as far as, you know, people ask me to make something. And most of the time I say, yeah, I'll do it. And then I just figure out how to do it, you know? And that is the, the fun of it for me is the actual working out how I'm gonna make something work. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, I'm, I'm in deep thought about, you know, my dog just died and now I need to paint it. Well, you know, I'm much more interested in building a contraption that will, you know, lift something or move something or, um, you know, salt or spin or um, because that's more interesting to me than, you know, just a painting. This is a seem. This might seem like a weird question. When does art become science or vice versa or do you think it's all mixed into one? I think it's all mixed, but I do think it's intention. That's the, you know, a lot of people will say, when we talk about STEAM education, which is science, technology, engineering, art, and math, they'll make um, a robot. And then they'll say, oh, look, it's a piece of art as well. Well, the intent was not that it was going to be a piece of art. The intent was that it was gonna be a robot. I think if your intent is to make a piece of art and you end up making a robot along the way, then that's a piece of art. And that's my definition of it. Yeah. Somebody else might tell you something different. In well, just now. when you were talking about building cool things, and then you talked about like something that actually does, like has practical use in terms right. of uh, doing stuff, that made me kind of think that. So, um, one thing I definitely want to get into is your guys' involvement with the Boys and Girls Club and um, the Magic Wheelchair. I mean, we take a few minutes to just tell us what you guys do there and why that's so important and why it means so much to you guys. Um, well, the Magic Wheelchair originated in Portland and there was a viral video about two years ago of a guy who made a toothless costume for his kid and they, uh, they, it was the Magic Wheelchair. So it was around Halloween that that was circulating and we actually contacted them the day that we saw the video and asked them if we could be a build team for them. Um, and I think they were a little surprised because I think there were probably like 13 or 14 people just contacted them out of the blue that day and said, can we um, be build teams? 
um, because everybody was so moved by that costume. So we um, then decided we were going to write a proposal to a local um, company, the Harper Corporation, who do a lot of funding for stuff like that. Um, and we um, asked to do two builds last year. Um, and we wanted to do it with the Boys and Girls Club of York County. And the reason we wanted to do it is because one of the things that we have really been thriving for with working with younger kids is that you don't you don't naturally have empathy for, for people it's not something that is um you know naturally programmed into you you have to develop it and if you don't develop empathy by a certain age you will never develop empathy and so this was about underserved kids serving underserved kids and it's a perfect way for them to learn empathy and so we contacted Hub Corporation and they gave us some money to work with the Boys and Girls Club and so we picked two kids from York County last year and we built um, five foot wheelchair costumes that fit over the wheelchair and lit up and we did we had an <laughs> outlet from PJ Masks Okay. The TV show. Yeah, I know the TV show. <laughs> Just I hear it in the background all the time. Yeah, but... it was an outlet costume, um, and then we had a Batmobile. Oh, and they that's awesome. Fit, I mean, they were incredible, um, and they fit over the wheelchairs, and they function as part of the wheelchair. And the idea is that you know kids in wheelchairs are often overlooked, especially at Halloween. So yeah. it's to make them feel like they're the star of the show. So we'll be doing another two builds this year, and um, we'll also be partnering with the Stan Winston School in California, which is a special effects school. So we'll actually be going online and learning special effects because one of the um, one of the provisions for the builds this year is that they have to move in some way. So we have to learn how to and figure out how we're going to make these costumes move. What do you mean with provisions? That's part of the... So that's one of the things of Magic Wheelchair. So Magic Wheelchair, okay. basically, we have builder conferences um, okay. once a month. And they will say, okay, this is what we're going to do this year. You have to have a moving part on your costume. And, you know, if you don't, then... What are you guys thinking? You're you're only three or four months away. What do you, you We guys... don't have our kids yet. Oh, okay. So we won't know until probably another two or three weeks until we get our kids. And then we do a conference with them um, and ask them what they want. And then we measure and then we don't see them again. We see the children, but then we they don't see the costume until we do the reveal. Yeah. And we do the reveal at Halloween. That's outstanding. We That's want to be cool. a part of that yeah. if we can. That's it's amazing. Cool. I think anytime, like uh, like um, Fort Mill's doing that, um, the all inclusive playground. Yes. Yeah, like stuff yeah. like that is. It's it until someone does it, you don't even think about it. Like no. it's so amazing that uh -huh. uh, people are doing that because uh, anytime you can include someone or have empathy for for someone, that's that's good stuff. So. Um, Congratulations on that. Thank keep, you. Keep, uh, keep the Jones on posted. We'd like <laughs> okay. to uh, do anything with that. Also, one thing I wanted to talk to you about was HOA, yeah. Homeowners Association. So we are, <laughs> my brother and I, when it comes down to it, we are real estate agents, and that's part of what we talk about on this podcast as well. And you are part of the HOA committee in my neighborhood, 
trying to uh, scroll up on my thing. Um, so what is a homeowner's association? It is a collection of people. There's a president and a treasurer, and then there's several people, and it depends on the neighborhood. Um, there's typically a social um, events person, um, that, depending on the neighborhood, um, and then there might be a grounds person, um, and I'm the architectural chair. Um, so I look at people's houses and decide on pools and fences and <laughs> help them decide where to put them. Um, but yeah, that's an HOA and sometimes they do a great job and sometimes they don't do a great job and sometimes, um, you know, they, um, they do a mediocre job, but I think most HOA people mean very well. They at least mean well. Yeah, Yeah. they definitely do. So the HOA is something that as a homeowner you pay for, whether it's a single home or a condo or townhome or whatever. It can be an annual or a quarterly or a monthly fee, uh-huh. and it's basically you're paying for someone to kind of make sure the neighborhood's kept up and uh, the common areas are cleaned and cut, and uh, social committee does their thing. And mm-hmm. um, so, as the architectural chair, what are some of the things that you do every day? Or I don't even know if it comes up every day, but what are some of the things that you have to do? Not so much every day. Typically my uh, stuff is going to be, if somebody wants to put a shed in their backyard, um, I need to make sure that, you know, number one, it doesn't sit on something that, you know, over a sewer um, or that it's not made of metal or, you know, it's going to be a wooden shed. It's going to be painted the same color as the house. Um, or if somebody decides that they want to build a granny flat in the middle or <laughs> what's yard, a granny flat? Um, it was. <laughs> I mean, hey, come on, we're South Carolina went. now. Yeah. So if somebody <clears throat> uh, wants to put, you know, a a secondary home in their backyard, then you know that's not allowed. You know, the city doesn't allow that, and the neighborhood doesn't allow that, and you know that would be something that we wouldn't allow. Yeah. <laughs> I had to tease you there. I knew what you were talking yeah. about. Um, so what are CC&Rs? Covenants, codes, and restrictions. Oh, covenants, codes, and restrictions. They're what you get when you move into the um, property. And they are just, you know, the rules and regulations of the neighborhood. So it might be that you're not allowed to keep a boat in your driveway. And it needs to be in the back of your house, out of sight. Or, you know... You can't have your dog barking outside after 11 o'clock. But it's just stuff that keeps the neighborhood running and keeps people hopefully happy. Yeah. How often are the um, positions changed? This is something that the neighborhood votes on, right? Yes. Um, and I think the president is voted on once a year. Okay. Um, and then um, I volunteered and was just, um, I mean, they just agreed on it on the you know, they said I could do it. So. <laughs> You're like, I'll do it. Okay, all right. You're on. We got it. <laughs> That's cool. Um, do you like being in the HOA? Have I you, do. Did, did you do it in England at all? Or? I was in property management. So I managed um, public housing. Um, so a lot of repairs, tenancy issues. Um, I evicted people from time to time, you know, collect rent collecting, things like that. So it's not a big job. You know, it's a it's a much smaller scale. It's you know a neighborhood I live in that people are generally happy in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's a little 
step. Yeah. How much power does the HOA have in terms of um, legality and, I mean, are, do, do people, obviously they should abide by the rules, but is this something that can get them in trouble with the law yeah. and stuff? Yeah, it is. I mean, if you have put up a structure that is not allowed, then the HOA can make you take it down. And if you go to sell your house, it could cause you a real problem if you decide or if you have a structure there that isn't allowed, you know. The HOA will um, probably contact the real estate agent and say, look, that's going to cause a problem for you. So they do and you know if you don't pay your dues they can put a lien on you so they do have some power and you know they might not be able to it might not be devastating but they can make it a little uncomfortable yeah. for you okay all right tracy well thank you so much for coming on um let's go ahead and wrap up if you wouldn't mind just take a, another minute and just kind of tell us everything that chelsea and savannah does and then just kind of take us home what do you guys got going on how can people get in touch with you and all that sort of stuff so we have camps going on. We have, we'll be gearing up to do our after school in a few weeks. And you can get in touch with us either by calling us on 803-547-0106 or through the website, which is www.chelseaandsavannah.com. And then we will be doing a fundraiser on June the 24th for the Inclusive Playground in Fort Mill, and that is from 6 until 8. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tracy Hartzog. Thanks for coming on the Jones Zone. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks so much for listening to the Jones Zone Podcast with Chris and Brian Jones. We'll catch you on the next episode.